it's always the awkward intro until we get Emily to produce an intro for us. I never know who's going to kick off the episode. I know, right? It's like <laughs> it's like the deer that yearns for running streams. So my soul is thirsting for Emily Carey to sing. There the it intro. is. Yeah. Every time I, and I went back I was listening and most time it's always like it, it's I was like, "All right, and we're back for another one." Was that totally awkward? So f- Psalm 42 as the deer urines for running streams, so my soul is thirsting for you, my God. And I just applied that to Emily. You did. That's kind of awkward. And actually, when you kicked off with that, I I actually had no idea what you just said. <laughs> so I kind of like, you kind of rattled me a little bit. And I was yeah. like, uh, honestly, I just, I think I missed the entire intro on that. I don't know what just came out of your mouth. Dude, that's my job. I, yeah. So, you know, so I, in our school, Patrick knows this, but I go to my school building, our school building, and I go and I yell in the rooms and I raise my arm in the air and I say, yes, but I yell it. Yeah. It doesn't sound as lame as that did. Um, but anyway, there's one class and they're like, oh, Father Brian, you can't scare us. And they hear me in other classrooms. So yeah. I'm waiting and I'm actually going to do this. So Mr. Solomon's class, uh, I am going to crawl under his desk one day before they get here. Yes. And I'm going to get those guys. Pop out good. of it. Oh, yeah. 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 We got to record that one. That's going to be the ultimate. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll, we'll say it, all the kids, all the seventh graders are kind of saying that you can't get them. Yeah, they, think, they think they're really cool. But I yeah. got news for you, Walter Cronkite. Here we go. You're not. Game on. Game on. Um, all right. So I have to say, after last episode, Purgatory, we had mentioned something. I just finished. I don't know I've told you this, but I just want to say it out loud. I just finished the Robin Williams like, Did you finish biography. That? Yeah. Yeah. And... It is so amazing to hear his life. I would highly recommend this book. Kind of looked at his entire life. And I really grew up on him from Aladdin and Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, I didn't know a lot of the older stuff. The Good Morning Vietnam. I, which we, still, we, we still haven't watched together. We have I, not. We've, we've got to watch that. And, and with the first time you said it, I had no idea what that was from. Right. But like now reading this book, I was like, wow, okay. Now I 100% have to watch it. But when we had talked about in the purgatory piece, like the church changed its stance as we learned more about mental health yep. and suicide. And like, I just always grew up hearing that like, if you commit suicide, that's like the, one of the most grave sins you can commit. Right. And finishing this book. I mean, I was like basically brought to tears of a man that was so brilliant with his mind suffered from Louis body dementia, which is, and he was first diagnosed with Parkinson's, but it's like a elevated form of it that they he, really didn't know until they examined his brain after he died. But he, and it's similar though, right? It is similar. Yeah. But it's so interesting to think. I mean, he he committed suicide one night, and everyone to their you know what they would say was so, such a random event, and to think that someone suffered so much from a brain. Um, imbalance, whatever you want to call it, met, like mental health stuff, took his life and to know, okay, like he's not straight to hell. It's And I, and I was yeah. listening to the podcast just to recap it. And it's just, I don't know. It meant a lot kind of hearing that because that book was phenomenal and the way it all ended for him was just horrific. I, yeah, we, we need to do more on this because your background in mental health I think it's something that's so important that you can speak to, to so many people today, but I just write the gospel for me. 
Uh, there's certain people you meet. We won't name any names. Mary Rogers. No, just <laughs> Steph. <laughs> Steph Tiffany. Yeah. But there are certain Christians I feel like you meet them and there's just no hope. Not Steph. And Steph, don't get mad at me on that one. Yeah, Steph's not that <laughs> way. But and neither is Mary. But but I my encounter with Jesus Christ it, there's always this tension. We have to we have to be obedient to him, we have to love him and follow him. But the gospel is good news. Yeah. And there's certain Catholics I mean, and brothers and sisters, we gotta work on this. Like you mean certain Catholics, and you've met these guys, Patrick. It's like you finish a conversation with them and you're just scared. You're like, oh my gosh, like God's probably really angry with me and I'm probably not going to make it to heaven. And, you know, of course there are moral principles we have to follow and every one of us is called to repentance. But for me, there's, there's many new Testament texts, but even more importantly, this for me, like, the good news of the gospel is that we were in deep, you know what, every one of us, myself included. And the good news is that the love of God conquered sin and death and evil. And so I think, you know, we got to hold attention of like your freedom matters and the decisions you make matter. But a guy like Robin Williams, we withhold judgment because I'm not God. We talked about this at RCIA last night. Yep. None of us are God and only he, he can see into the soul and, make the final judgment, but I have tremendous hope for someone like Robert Williams. Okay. So I'm, I'm seeing a natural segue into this episode and I hope I can get there with this. Um, when you talk about the good news and having hope for people, yep. if you have two people standing in front of God with judgment, like, Uh you know, to receive judgment on their life and one of which may or may not necessarily have, really known better. They made a lot of bad decisions. Yep. And, and therefore they should, they should be responsible for those. Right. But the whole time they were around somebody else that never told them or really held them accountable for their bad decisions. Um, I don't think there's church teaching on this. Maybe there is, but in your opinion, who is more responsible for that guy's sins? The one that sat there and was just like, yeah, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Right. But knew better or the person kind of committing it that didn't really know. So in James, there's a verse that says, whoever knows what is right to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And so sin, and I love this, sin has to do with freedom and knowledge. Yeah. Um, Someone who doesn't know something's wrong, you can't really hold them accountable for it, but there is a caveat to that. So I'm having a beer and I just kind of have like a beer belch. <laughs> so um, priests can drink beer. I Whenever I go out, sometimes I'll, I'll order a beer at a restaurant and the waiter's are like, wait, what do you mean you're ordering a beer? And I'm like, dude, I'm Catholic. I thought <laughs> it was only water and wine. What are you drinking? Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. It's like, dude, come, come on over, man. You can have beer in the Catholic church. Um, but... There are certain things, though. Uh, there are things that we that are tough to know, and you can't be responsible if you didn't know better. But there, the caveat is like, so let's say um, if I'm driving 85 in a 25 mile an hour like road, and a cop pulls me over and I say, "Oh, I didn't see the sign. I didn't know it was 25." Right. 
the, the cop can legitimately say to me, well, you have an obligation to know this. So there are some things in life, and, the, and the, the distinction, the church uses the language here, they call it vincible versus invincible ignorance. And what they mean by that, that's just fancy language, to say there's some things you should know. Got it. So you can't just like bury your head under your pillow and be like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Can't be held responsible. Um, there's some things that you have an obligation to know in life. But sin has to do with knowledge and freedom, which is why those are two of the conditions for a mortal sin. Okay, so here we go. So in that case, I'm really frustrated right now. I feel like you're going to call me out on a sin. Reading, nope, nope. Reading and following along with my boy Archbishop Gomez versus ABG Archbishop <laughs> Supich, ABC, ABC, and their he's stance, actually cardinal. So cardinal, CC. that's right. Yeah. Um, and their stance when it comes to Biden and this yep. whole and, and you can give the recap, but it's becoming really frustrating when the people that we are supposed to look up to and and learn from, and there are bishops and cardinals are bickering about how to approach a man who is seriously misunderstood in his faith. And I'm the first to admit, like I, we always talk about it, but two years ago, I didn't understand the issues around abortion. Right. Like it was more of a convenience thing and blah, blah, blah. But you could take Biden and say, we had that episode. Can the Pope give Biden communion and this and that? And he should know better. Right. But let's just give him benefit, benefit of the doubt and he doesn't. The people that in my opinion, for sure should know the church's teaching on on very serious topics are bickering about how to approach Biden on his stance. And one of them saying, you are gravely wrong. And the other one is saying, don't talk to him like that. Yeah, And it's very hard as a newcomer Catholic to be like, wait, what? And like even reading some of these reports where like Pope Francis is saying like, when the world, like, there was a quote of the Washington Post, and I'll just pull it up really quick, and, and we can give the recap on kind of if someone doesn't know exactly what we're talking about here. You but, can give the recap. But, but <laughs> like Biden, Francis, and this is from the Washington Post, like Biden, Francis focuses, Pope Francis, focuses on Catholicism broad call for the disenfranchised and suffering and less on Catholic Catholic doctrine about topics such as abortion, gender identity, and sexuality. And the more that I learn about the faith, I just don't understand how those can be negotiable. Right. They're not. So it just is so interesting to me, though, that this cardinal, who's apparently boys with Pope Francis, can call out Gomez and be like, whoa, 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 you better check yourself before you start Wreck issuing yourself. statements. Yeah. Yeah. So just help me understand it. Like, I just, I don't know. I think about like a football team and if there's a, a head coach saying one message and a assistant coach is on a totally different page, he's gone. Like it's yeah. just bad for the team. Morale is out the window. Everyone's confused. How is this happening? <laughs> like, how do we get to this point in the church? Easy question. Perfect. Super easy. I'll just, yeah. All right, like cool. Have a good weekend. Yeah. I'll see you guys <laughs> <Right>. later. <laughs> yeah. That is, if you don't know Patrick, that is one of his favorite lines. He loves to confuse people. He'll come into our offices and it's Monday and he'll like walk out of somebody's office and be like, okay, have a good weekend. And everyone like has to think for a second. They're like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's because everyone goes with like the natural, like, 
all right, man, have a good day. And you like, don't think you're just like, yeah, all right, cool. And it's kind of just the obligatory, like, see you later salutation. <laughs> yeah, right. And when you hit someone with have a good weekend, they're like, all right, man, have a good, oh, wait, what? What yeah. day is it? What? You, like, yeah. And I'm always confused. I'm just <laughs> like, I, I like today at mass, we had, we have mass intentions and I had to look at the uh, mass intentions on the altar and I was like, wait, what day is it? Yeah. What the hell day is it? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's a, there's a lot of big questions around this. So, um, I don't even know like quite where to start on Let's, this. I feel like I kind of jumped into it a little bit because I wanted, uh, there's part of me where I'm like, man, is there more judgment? And not to judge, but I'm just saying like, who's more responsible in this situation? Is it Biden? And I'm sure at this point he understands where <laughs> he has a lot of pools and, and politically and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like it's more on the bishops and the ones that are saying like, oh, he's fine. Let him receive. Like it's good for the church. And right. he's our second Catholic president ever and blah, blah, blah. Um, but the story is Archbishop Gomez, um, who's the head of the uh, bishops conference, bishops yeah. conference issued a statement on behalf of the bishops conference saying like, look, we're excited to work with you. But at the same time, like, we have some serious hurdles we need to address. Yep. And as soon as that came out and, and there was kind of some pushback as far as like him actually releasing that statement without talking to all of them, but come to find out he was in his right to do so. And he had his top C level guys that all checked off on it. But Cardinal Supich out of Chicago came back out immediately after that and was kind of trying to protect it felt like protect Biden disguised it. And like, you can't issue statements without running it by us first. It's not representative of the whole, but it really creates this like confusing message as far as like, wait, do we really value life or not? Is it really yeah. not a big deal or is it fundamentally a main tenant of the church? Yeah. And I think maybe a good place to start. And I just thought of this. Uh, so actually, Oh, this is so providential. God, Praise be Jesus Christ. I love it. It's the good news. Yeah, it's the good news. <laughs> Truth, beauty, and goodness. That's right. <laughs> so um, something very pertinent. So today is the feast day of, do you know? I don't. Today is the feast of St. Thomas Aquinas. Oh. As we're recording this, it won't come out on that day. But You know where I, I resort normally? I follow Ted Shree. Dr. Ted Shree on Instagram. He's awesome. He's amazing. Ted and Word. He is like my go-to. Like I haven't been on social media today. And normally when I get on there, he'll, he is always posting about feast days and they're always like the most rant. He'll like be in front of some tomb, like some random saint that I've definitely never heard of. Yeah. I would bet he posts a day, but I, that's normally where I get my info. Yeah. I missed it. Yeah. So today's St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, 13. It's, it's a big day. Probably a lot of you know this, but, 13th century saint, um, a Dominican priest, uh, and maybe after Jesus himself, arguably the greatest mind in history. It's a pretty big claim. But Aquinas has a great line, and I think it's a good way to start with this. Aquinas has a line where he says, um, he says, in, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, diversity, in all things, charity. Mm. So listen again. So in essentials, unity. And he's talking about the faith here. Like in things that are essential, we need to have 
Unity. Unity. Okay. In non-essentials, diversity. Okay. In all things, charity. So unity is a massively important thing for us as Catholics. Jesus uh, in John, I want to say it's 16, uh, Jesus talks about how, Father, I, he says, I pray that uh, they would be one, even as you and I are one, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So a sign to the world, one of the signs of the world that God the Father sent Christ to save us is the unity among Christians, which doesn't look like the world. And one of the, and conversely, right? And I bet all of you listening today, I know you, Patrick, we've talked about this before. Like one of the reasons people can write off Christianity is they say, look, you guys can't even agree among yourselves. And like, and like the Washington Post, right? What they look at, they look at the Bishop's Conference and they say, it's just politics. It's that the real paradigm of history is not Christian and non-Christian. The real paradigm is liberals and conservatives. Mm -hmm. And I think we've got to, we've got to break those down. And here's the tricky part. What is essential? Totally. And what's non-essential? And who gets to decide? Do you have an answer? I would hope I could turn to the bishops to figure it out. <laughs> right? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And it's um that's that's a good answer. We should be able to turn to the bishops to decide. Um so I have a lot of thoughts on this. I mean, one of the things that I think is consoling at least is that this is not a new thing, which is like a great message from Father Brian. Hey, you know what, kids? Life has always sucked. So, yeah. you know, We've kids, always walked uphill both ways to school. With both ways. Years. So, you know, <laughs> like life has always sucked. It always will. The church has always sucked. So get yeah. over it. So that's, that's probably not the best message. But, but I will say this. So in the early church, right, Peter and Paul disagree with each other. So in Galatians chapter two, Peter is rebuked by Paul. Um, Paul and Barnabas have to separate. Um, There's fighting among the apostles after the ascension of Christ. So it's not the first time, but I do, but I do think this is a major problem. And we need, I think we need to talk about like, how do we overcome this? Um, How do we understand when, when bishops disagree with each other, how is the average Catholic to, to not be confused? That. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like, to go back to your question of like who actually decides that, when I say like I wish the bishops, like to me, and I, I do know that, especially here in Denver, but, you know, as much as I hate to acknowledge you, I think being able to work for you and have you as our pastor – we are formed well and like your your so. scripture scholarship is like through the roof and you've been taught by so many amazing people <laughs> but to me there's fundamental things that i would de- i would assume are essential maybe i'm off but like things like abortion gender identity like some of these like main tenets of right <laughs> pillars of the church would be something that is covered in like you're one of seminary like <laughs> right and it's like okay here's like i don't know like again going back to sports of like okay if you jump off sides it's a five-yard penalty yep don't do it and then from there you start to learn your plays like yep. you have to learn some of the this is out of bounds this is yep. these are things you do and don't do but then how is it that at the top 
I just don't understand the disconnect and the confusion of like, ah, maybe abortion's not the biggest thing and we can bend so here to I invite someone in. I think that's the crux of what you just said. Is it, <clears throat> I don't think, and I, I don't, I don't know Cardinal Supich personally. Um, I, and I really don't know Archbishop Gomez personally. I've met him before he was a bishop in Denver uh, for a brief stint before he moved on. But so I don't know either of these men personally. Uh, but I think, I don't think that Cardinal Supich would ever say abortion is okay. I don't okay. think he would ever say that. And I, I, I actually don't think you would, you would find a bishop in the United States who would ever say that. I don't think they would. I think their thing is you guys are, they would see it as, I think, as you guys are fixated on sexual issues. And we agree that these are problematic and they're wrong. But I think, I think what they're trying to say is there's a bigger, all we ever talk about is they feel like as abortion and homosexuality and transgenderism. And you know what? We need to love the poor. There's a huge, there's a huge uh, emphasis in the Gospels on love for the poor, which is absolutely true. Right. And I and I will say I'm like, even in my own life, like that's a challenge to me. Like for those of us who come from a more conservative kind of, I hate using that language. We need to be followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, but the world would see me. It's kind of I would joke about this. Depends on where who I'm with my whole life I was considered like the arch conservative and we always joke when the hell did I become the liberal? Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. the, I feel like like people around me have be- gone. The pendulum swung the other way. And now I'm like, I'm the most liberal person at Lords. Um, probably not really. <laughs> I don't think so, but I but get it, it, but you get it. And like, and so I think, but I think that's what like people like Cardinal Supich, I, I think their point, and I want to acknowledge this because I, I come from more of an Archbishop Gomez perspective. Like, for like, for me, I'm like, look, Joe Biden. I think that good Catholics could disagree, and a non-essential, right? So there, there's essentials. You can't disagree that abortion's immoral, right? That's an essential. Like abortion, that is that is clearly taught by the, the church, always has been. Abortion's not new. It's it's been in the world forever, basically. And the Christians have always opposed it. It's, it's horrific. It's evil. It's awful. You can't stand for abortion and really be a Christian. And if a bishop ever did do that, he should be censured and rebuked. And honestly, there should be like, he should be publicly shamed by the church. And that's another topic we can talk to about today. Actually, as we can talk about like with Biden, we, we get to get to the topic of excommunication and what that's about. Um, but, um, I think what they're disagreeing about is like, how do we approach, what do we, where do we draw the line and what hill do we die on? And I think what, and I don't know, but my sense of things is that Cardinal Supich is saying between the lines, he's kind of saying, look, everybody, yeah, abortion, abortion, abortion. No one gives a rip about the poor. And why don't we care about that? And why do we always just harp on abortion? I, and if he could be fully honest, I don't, I think bishops, they're so public sometimes they need to like drop the public persona and they just need to speak frankly and honestly sometimes. Right. But sometimes they don't. Um, okay. Sorry. I just feel like it's tough though with, um, 
like I, I totally get that. And especially when you look at all the stats of like more people are leaving than entering the church and, and we've had such a rough patch and I, I, I really do understand that. But at what point, which I do feel like Gomez has been very vocal. Like I watched another YouTube video today of him about two months ago, just saying like how big of an issue this is that Biden is out there public facing in his role as president. And I think it's sure to say, you know, we have to care for the poor, but at what point do you kind of also say, here's our pillars. And if it's like, I, th- I think there's two things. One, if it's not for you, it's not for you, which I, I that's not that's very, I'm just off the cusp on that. But, you know, trying to just like bend all the rules to make triangles fit into squares isn't, I don't, I, I feel like that kind of brings us 10 steps back. And then two, in a weird way of like, gosh, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I guess I just really kind of struggle with, it just creates such a like more confusing experience, especially as people, I think there's a big disconnect too with, that's where I'm trying to go with this, is there's a big disconnect of people just coming out and saying like, no abortion's wrong. And you and I have taught, we've all, we've said that before. I like when I was accused, like I didn't know any better. And I was asked like, so really you want to rip the limbs off of unborn children? It's like, no, <laughs> first of all, I've never once thought that never once heard of that sort of thing. Um, please don't ever let me into that category, but there is a beautiful aspect of the church's teaching that oftentimes doesn't get explained. And so when there is a pillar <coughs> that we don't explain, of course, there's this like disconnect. I don't have COVID, by the way. He does not. But I just feel like we don't. And sometimes we just lob out the rules and then we fight over the rules without ever like actually explaining it. Yeah. Um, but I just don't understand how it's like, I don't know. If I publicly started announcing on this podcast that I'm pro-abortion, like you would for sure pull me aside and be like, dude, it's, we need to address this. Yeah. No, and it's, and I, I mean, and so I, I sometimes I feel like I'm a little too nuanced. We need to be clear about this. And I think Archbishop Gomez, his letter wasn't even that strong. It was, it was, it was, it was balanced. It was like George Weigel had a thing, an article in First Things. He was like, you know what? If this, if Supich and Tubin hadn't come out against Gomez on this, a lot of us who are consider ourselves like faithful Catholics would say that was kind of weak sauce. Right. Uh, like when I read it, I was like, wow, I like I actually, at least he's addressing the elephant in the room. Like I still don't understand how there's like photos of Biden at church every Sunday and whether he's believing or not, like, I don't know where he actually stands in his faith journey, but to the person that doesn't understand, they look at him and they think like, Oh, that's a good Catholic. He's loving He's pro blah, 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 like all these things that just, it's not, just not right. And that's where Gomez, like I a hundred percent agree with him and even more so. And I, and I, and I think this is what you're saying the the church need, when the church is not clear, it creates confusion. Right. And this is where I like, uh, so in San Francisco, a similar thing happened where Archbishop Corleone, I don't know if you say Corleone or Corleone, you're Italian. I think it's Corleone. Corleone. Isn't that Godfather? Uh, That's what I thought of too. And I, I think it is. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I wish you had video for that. Right. Yes. Yes. Totally. So he's, 
I'm super proud of him. He came Same. out and just like lamb blasted Pelosi. And and I think the basic point, I see this in RCI every year is like, you know what? And I, I, this there's one thing I don't get. There's a certain type of Catholic and I think they're, they're sentimental Catholics. And what it is, is they don't want anyone to tell them what it means to be Catholic, but they disagree with everything the Catholic church teaches. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, I know that you were raised as a Catholic and like you like, you have sweet memories of your first communion dress and your priest who was nice to you as a kid. And that's all good and fine. But can you be an adult and say, Hey, you know what? If I disagree with everything Jesus Christ teaches on moral issues and everything the Catholic church teaches, I'm probably not a Catholic. Right. And I think that's, this is the dangerous thing. And this is where I, I do resonate much more deeply with Gomez. So, so really quick. So like Galatians five, or I'm sorry, not Galatians five. That was where I went turn first. First Corinthians six. So Galatians five has a, the works of the flesh uh, and the fruits of the spirit. But there's a, there's a similar moral code in first Corinthians six. So here's what St. Paul says in first Corinthians six. And I just want to say this. If you're someone who disagrees with Catholic teaching, you were raised Catholic, you grew up and you say, you know what? I just don't understand the church's teaching on homosexuality on abortion, on um, whatever else, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. But I would challenge you that you should you should study, you should try to understand why the church teaches what it teaches. But after a, there's a, there is a time in life where you have to own your beliefs and your decisions. And if you're going to be a person of integrity, you have to at a certain point say, I'm not a Catholic. Mm-hmm. So, so here's what St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the immoral, and that, that word in Greek, immoral, is porneia. So we get the word pornography. It means sexual immorality. Nor idolaters, right? So someone who f- worships a false god. Nor adulterers. Nor homosexuals. And there's an important caveat to that. Um, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor robbers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. He says, you know what? You know what? Some of you were those things, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of God. So some things are incompatible with Catholicism. And I want to make a caveat on the homosexual one because I think it's really important. Um, so... There's two words that are used and the the translation here in the Revised Standard Version of the Bible. It combines two words. Um, And uh, the the Greek has effeminate and sodomites. And it combines those. And here's the key to this. This is the absolute key. The Bible doesn't, and the New Testament, doesn't condemn people who have same-sex attraction. So if you are attracted to someone of the same sex as you, that doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. But what it does mean is your actions matter. Okay, now, okay, so that's one teaching. If you're a Catholic, the Bible is authoritative. More than your bishop. And this is one of the points I want to get to is like, our obedience as Catholics is primarily, first and foremost, to Jesus Christ. It is to Jesus Christ. That is our obedience. And that comes to us through the church. And if a bishop is out of step with the church, 
this is one of the great benefits of being a Catholic, is we have a way of actually knowing this. We have this thing called the Catechism of the Catholic Church. We have the scriptures. We have this great tradition. And this is why we've got to know our faith. So if you're someone who's just like, oh, the bishops will figure it out. They'll tell me what to do. That doesn't cut it. Call me out like that. That's not me, you <laughs> loser. Yeah. But, but, it, but I do want to say, right, like, so right there, and just be frank about this, Joe Biden officiated at a same-sex wedding. And he's, and he's holding himself out as a faithful Catholic. And I just, if I, I don't know if I can, can I cuss on this podcast? We started out the gates and we heard, it's kind of frowned upon. Okay. It's frowned upon. So that's BS. Right. You can't do that. Like, and there, and there is a big, there's a big difference between a weakness and a stubborn stance. So if I say, Hey, you know what? Like, um, I know that I'm not supposed to worship money. And I'm trying not to, but it's really hard for me. And I keep falling into this lifestyle where I just am obsessed with owning more and being more wealthy. Yep. That's one thing. Like most of us struggle with something we know that we should be stronger with. I I would think you'd be you'd be hard pressed to find someone not like that. That's a lot different though from someone who says, "Yeah, you know, I worship money and I just don't care." And I think, and this is what we have with Biden. And this is why it's different. Like Biden is holding himself out as a good Catholic. And there are, there just are things that are incompatible with Catholicism. Not because Gomez is conservative and Supic is liberal, but because Jesus Christ teaches these things. The New Testament teaches these things. And 2000 years of church teaching have consistently said, you can't, believe this if you're going to follow Jesus. I think this word, the part that's frustrating and just watching as a spectator is this, you know, soupage turns to Twitter to unleash, you know, a social media nightmare is, um, the public stance of like, don't call him out. Like, don't yeah. address him. Um, you know, we got to, he's a great leader in this and that it's just really hard to sit back and watch is like he needs to be called out like, and that's okay. Like that is fine. Like there needs to be that wake up call. And again, he's probably in a horrific position where he basically now at this point, either needs to like resign as president or stand firm in his faith. And, and, or he's like on this path of like, he's too far gone Right. To like switch all his stances. But I think it's just so frustrating to see a bishop come out and be like, back to your point of like what can be diverse and what needs to be unified and to publicly say like, nope, that's not it. That you guys are missing the boat. We need to love the poor. But it's like, no. Like the one of the best thing that has ever happened to me, and we talk about this all the time, of like if someone's on drugs – you need to give them tough love and say like, dude, I yeah. love you, but this is wrong. Yep. Like you need to knock it off. And that was the one thing that made me realize I had the eating disorder was I got called out and it was the hardest day of my entire life. And it was so dis- like destroyed me. But without that, I was on my normal path. Dude, that's, that's a super powerful. Yeah. It, it was like, that's my go-to story. And that whole thing is like, 
it hurt. Like, damn it, that was really tough. But sitting back and like seeing Gomez, it's like, thank you. Like, yes, yeah. he needs to be made aware of it because that's the opening question of like who is more responsible to see and and sure you could say that you know to me it just feels like a cute card of like okay well you know like the church is bleeding and we just have to like it's just abortion some of these things that are main issues we need to tread lightly so more people come back it's like you're getting the wrong message and the wrong view of the faith which is only going to set us back further yeah and and there's a whole other end of that, which we talk about all the time too, of like, and then you go to the extremes and a lot of things and you start bickering about some of the things that could be diverse, like in your arguments, but it's just tough and really confusing to see some of these guys come out and say, don't address Biden that way. And why I really respect Gomez in his position in LA of all, of all places. Yep by the way, like that's a tough spot to be and to say like, no, this is not what the church teaches. Yep. And never has. Right. And never has. And he's just, he's just right. And I think there, another important kind of piece of this puzzle is that, so, so, you know, me like, <clears throat> so the Hillsong pastor, we talked about him. Yep. Carl Lenz, I want to say. Oh man, I forget his name. He was, so he was on the view and they asked him about abortion and he totally dodged the question. Man Remember for this? the hills. Yep. He he totally dodged it, and rightfully so. He was raked over the coals. He was like, "Yeah, like they're like, well, we, if someone had an abortion and they talked to you and they said we had an abortion, would you tell them that that was something that was wrong and they need to repent?" And he was like, "Well, you know, I just I just want to know your name." It's like, dude, seriously. Right. Right. Do you do you believe in Jesus Christ? Like, like. At a certain point, you can't dance forever. And just because you're like an attractive guy, like, anyway, I don't mean I want to be too hard on him. But but the point I want to get to is that part of this puzzle, I'm, I actually like that approach. So I generally think for us good Catholics, and that sounds so arrogant, <laughs> for us good Catholics, right? Yeah. <laughs> for we who are in the seventh mansion of prayer. <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh, well, who was it? Uh, Flannery O'Connor, who's been canceled, by the way. But Flannery nice. O'Connor is the she's probably the greatest um, short story writer in American history. Devout Catholic, she's been canceled because she was a Southerner and she said things that were probably inappropriate. But anyway, Flannery O'Connor, she has a great line where she said, "The only good Catholic is one who says they're not." Um, so I'm like, so us good Catholics, totally, totally, <laughs> but. But uh, uh, where was I going with this? <laughs> the best. Um, I'm having a hard time remembering. Well, I, I don't know. I oh, I know where I'm going. So, so usually with people, I like to. I'm like, someone can be wrong about something, but if you start there, if you tell them, if if I have a couple in my office and they're sleeping together, yep, I don't start there. And it's, it's not about me endorsing sex before marriage because I, I never would do that. But my thing is is that I know if, if the first thing they receive from me is condemnation and a moral challenge, they're done. I'll never see them again. Totally. And Jesus, right, and this, this is something we talk about a lot, Romans 5.8, I quote all the time, 
God shows forth his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I see, I see faithful Orthodox Catholics get this wrong constantly where they're like, if I don't tell this person they're wrong, then I, I engage in evil. I'm like, no, you didn't. Cause they're not going to hear the, they're not going to hear your moral challenge unless they first know that they're loved by God. Totally. And if they know that. And so, so I think, but, but here's the difference with Biden for almost anybody. I'm like, don't start there. Don't. And, and I do think for us, like Orthodox Catholics who believe what the church teaches as all Catholics should, um, there is a reality. If you start with moral stuff, with people that is a super bad idea right and you're not courageous because you're stupid you need the good news of the gospel is not that god gave us laws the good news of the gospel is that he died for us when we were sinners and then you got to get to the law he gives us a law because he loves us the difference with biden is that he's a public person and he's That's getting the difference publicly. He's getting accolades for his Catholic, yeah, you know, exactly. stance, and he's a devout Catholic. And same with Pelosi and these people. I I one hundred percent agree with you. I think that's where it's, you know, my initial question of like who's more responsible on you in the public face? Somebody that is um, gaining credibility off such bad theology in a way, like his stance on abortion, all these things where people are like, man, he is a good Catholic. That's what we need. The, the world needs more of that, less of Gomez. Yeah. And you have millions of eyes looking at you. Right. And at some point, and I'm sure, and we, I don't know this, but I would assume someone has tried to one-on-one say, hey, man, you're a little off on some of your, yeah. <laughs> some of your stances. And it's reached a point of like, you need to stop getting accolades and I'm going to have to publicly call you out. Yeah. Because you are too high up there. You're right. On a one-on-one basis in your office, absolutely. Yeah. Like without a doubt. And I will say like, I kind of joked with you about this the other day. I did a podcast talking like mental health stuff with somebody from kind of like Hollywood-ish thing. And I was I was honestly like kind of nervous of please don't bring up anything like that I'm going to have to defend. Like, yeah. you know, let's keep this on mental health and not talk about it was really tough. Those awful Catholics. Those awful. Yeah. Anything that's going to put me in a silo and like, don't back me into that corner. Um, so, you know, I could see how someone can like start to slide into that trap, but I would hope nothing more than if I fell into that and I slipped into it one time and, and made the mistake, but to repeatedly go back to that well of like avoiding the topic Hillsong guy or a Biden in that approach, like someone needs to slap me around and say, look, it's bigger than just this goofy podcast. Like this is life and you are really distorting the image of Catholicism yep. and faith for millions of people worldwide at this right. point. And I, I do think, and I don't know, obviously I'm not a Bishop. Thank God. Never will be. Thank God. Um, but I do think this, I do think the bishops need to grow a pair on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, that's like Corleone, Godfather. That's right. <laughs> Corleone. Love him. Yeah. Way to go, man. Right. Way, way to go. And you can't just be, you can't just be the hard line, just hard ass all the time. But I don't think he is. But I'm like, Wilton Gregory, 
Cardinal Archbishop of Washington, D.C. has said he will give communion to Biden. Right. And here's the thing. So 1 Corinthians 5, Paul excommunicates someone in Corinth because he loves him. And what's happening in Corinth is that there's a, there's a guy who is sleeping with his mother-in-law. <clears throat> and Paul's like, look, there is no place for this in the church. So what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to cast him outside and Paul actually uses, he uses the language, he says, you are to deliver him to Satan uh, for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord Jesus. It's like, that's okay, that's pretty strong. Today we're <laughs> like, and today we're like, stupid, just like, no, 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 don't tell Biden he's wrong. Right. It's like, can we grow up here? Like, you are wrong. And actually, this is this is not non-essential. This is essential. Um. The one thing I will throw towards Cardinal Supich, and I just want to throw this out, is um, when the clerical abuse crisis broke, um, the conservatives in the church said this is all about homosexuality. The liberals in the church said this is all about clericalism. And very honestly, like, not to exalt myself here, as I know all about everything, but it was about both. Mm. and McCarrick showed us that they're like and McCarrick was both but but I've seen this I'm like and not in an abusive way I haven't seen any thank God abuse of minors or anyone else for that matter thank God but both of those things are problems and I think so for with Supich and with Gomez um I think Gomez is right. I'm like, you've got it. We have got a public. If this is a private person, I get it. But like, this is a very serious moral evil. And there are numerous moral evils that Biden is advancing. And he's calling himself a Catholic. The bishops are the pastors of the church. They have a moral obligation to call him out. Right. And I, I actually think, and like tomorrow, probably Archbishop Aquila is going to call me, be like, hey, FB. <laughs> <laughs> heard about your podcast. You're, yeah. you're this like, you're this like, Plebe priest calling out bishops. Like, That's right. You will hereby be assigned to save your It's my area. fault. I mean, I'll be like, okay, Patrick's coming with me. <laughs> and so I, I'm not the moral voice of the church, but I'm like everybody who's a good Catholic knows this. Right. Like this is not this is not rocket science. These are basics, like you're saying. And like, um, the church needs to stand for these things. We need our moral witness to stand for these things. The only caveat I would put on this is we don't want the church to just become a moralistic voice. Right. It is, it does uphold morality and it's massively important, but if all we do is morals, Christianity ceases to be good news. Well, here's my plea to any archbishop that potentially would call and be frustrated with you. <laughs> is There should be many problems. <laughs> unless it's like Bishop Barron and Gomez and, Maybe they sign a book for us and send it our way. But um, my issue, like, sure, we're not in a position to call it the bishop and blah, 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 blah. But my plea for it, though, is, again, going back to why we started this podcast, I struggle trying to explain my understanding and my, like, the way I'm living my life to a degree of, like, if someone really presses me on it and they want to throw out random stats and, like, I'm not as well-versed as in it as you are and 
so that's we start this podcast so I can turn to my friends and say, yeah, Steph and I didn't live together before we were married. We didn't have sex. Right. We didn't any of that kind of stuff. And this is why. And that this is why is like, oh, by the way, turn to episode number three and you understand the beauty behind the Catholic faith. Yep. But when I try to turn to role models that under are supposed to understand and are not helping me in my yep. arguments and make it more confusing. I was recently on Facebook and someone flipped the Pope's words and they, they kind of distorted the, the message about same-sex marriage and civil union. And their comment was, finally, I knew the Catholic faith would come around. Right. And and to see those things of like, gosh, that's not it. And now, now I can't defend it because I'm going to butcher my argument. Like all this <laughs> stuff, like I'm resorting until I get to my, to your point earlier, like you need to know your faith and I am trying and I'm trying to get there. But I mean, you, your, your knowledge is through the roof, but you've spent years mastering that art. Yeah. Like talk about Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule. You're like a bajillion hours into your studies. You're to, too good to me. Into, into understanding that, like, I'm, you know, maybe 50, 100. Like, I'm not ready to go on the view and, like, hold a stance on this kind of stuff. Like, I would need serious prep for that. But when I can't turn and somebody then can use it against me and say, well, the Archbishop of Chicago is saying this. Dude, yeah, come on. Yeah, so the, the there's so much to this. But I think maybe to try to sum it up a little bit is that um, two points I would make, if I can remember them both. But the first thing I would say is like, so this is why the papacy matters. Now, now you can have bad popes still. So the church believes that the, that the authority that Christ gave to the church, and that this is probably the central point actually, is that the one who has authority is Jesus Christ. Yeah. The problem is that anybody can try to claim that for themselves. And so Jesus passed that authority onto the church. He promised through the Holy Spirit that he would not allow the church to officially teach something wrong. But, and, and I want to read a quote from Pope Benedict here. So this is, and this is about unity and diversity. So, um, so really quick though, I think like, so read, if, if you're at home and you want to think about this more deeply, pull out Paul's letter to the Philippians and Paul is going to talk about how important it is that Christians be of the same mind, that they think the same way. Um, and, and we need to think the same, the same way Cardinal Supich and Archbishop Gomez and all the bishops, we need to be united in the way we see the world. We do not see the world in terms of left and right or politics. We see the world through the eyes of Jesus Christ. First Corinthians two sixteen. Who has known the mind of God? We have the mind of Christ. That that's what it means to be a Christian. But so Pope Benedict is writing a letter. This is from a book called uh, Pilgrim Fellowship of Faith. Phenomenal book. Really bad cover, but great book. Um, but he's writing to an Orthodox bishop, and for Orthodox bishops, not in union with the Church, and we're using Orthodox in a different sense here. So this means like the. Eastern Orthodox churches who split from Catholicism in the year 1054. And so he's writing to, to a Greek Orthodox bishop um, who they call them Metropolitans. And we really agree with him with a lot of things. But one of the things they disagree about is the 
the Pope is really the head of the church. And here's what Pope Benedict says. This is before he was Pope. Um, oh, did I lose the spot? No, here it is. So the primacy, and what this means is that the Pope is the has the primacy of the church. Right? He's he is the the, the head of the church on earth. The primacy, Paul the Sixth himself said it, is in certain respects the main obstacle to the restoration of full communion. So what he means there is that for Eastern Christians, they the thing they dislike the most about Catholics is they think we give the Pope too much authority. Got it. So 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 think of it this way, and here's why it applies to our question today: is they think of the church to be more collegial. I actually don't disagree with them fully on that. I, I, I see their point. But look at the bishops' conference as they retort. So if, so their point, they are, the Eastern Orthodox Christians actually believe the Pope is the head of the church, but they think that Western Catholicism has given too much authority to the Pope. And it's supposed to look more like the bishops' conference where the bishops are a brotherhood together who have authority. Got it. So that's why he says primacy is the main obstacle to the restoration of full communion. Yet it is at the same time the main opportunity for this because without it, the Catholic Church would long ago have fallen apart into national churches and churches of this or that right, which would make it quite impossible to gain any general view of the ecumenical landscape. Now, I know when I'm reading things, can I just read it one more time? Yeah. Hear that one more time because I know it's sometimes hard to digest when you're just listening. It says, so Benedict here is saying, if you didn't have the, if you didn't have the Pope, something bad's going to happen. So he says, without the papacy, um, or he says, the papacy is at the same time the main opportunity for communion, for all of us being in communion with each other. Because without it, the Catholic Church would long ago have fallen apart into national churches. And here's my point. Even when we don't like a pope, we believe that, that Christ is the one who continues the truth. And that's why, this is why, quite frankly, abortion is a non-negotiable. Because Christ guarantees the truth being passed through time. And the church has always taught that abortion is a very serious grave evil um but here's the problem the problem is without the without a central authority you get you get what's happening right now and it could go to extremes where you have well i'm a blaze supich catholic well i'm right. a jose gomez catholic well i'm an archbishop shapu catholic well i'm a tubin catholic like there is one church by the way this is the beginning of first corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says, certain Christians are saying, well, I belong to Barnabas, or I belong to Peter, or I belong to Paul. And he says, were you baptized in the name of Peter? Did Was Paul crucified for you? There's one church. Right. And so, I, so the papacy, and I, I know I go way too long on these things, but even though the church, the unity is something we need to fight for, all of us need to fight to know our faith better and to conform ourselves to Jesus Christ. And by the way, bishops, bishops are not demigods, right? They have legitimate authority. They deserve our respect. Every one of them for their office. They are not demigods. They are not the church. Priests are not the church. 
we are the church all together. And the way the church is formed is not by liking one bishop or another. The way the church is formed is by obedience to Jesus Christ. There's my homily. Sorry. Boom. Well, and I think that's a great point though. Like, cause that, that has been thrown in my face before too. Well, like the Pope said this and he's your living God. Like what the Pope, (laughs) what the Pope, he's your living God, what the Pope and like, you know, it, everything funnels down to him and he's your representative on earth and like all this stuff of like, so how is it what he says isn't true? You know, right? like that's a, that's another common one of like, so if he says, and we've talked about it before on the podcast, if he says something around the kitchen table at breakfast, it doesn't make it church doctrine. Yeah. No, that, that's exactly right. Yeah. Pope Francis's comments over fruit loops. I bet he likes fruit loops. Probably. <laughs> Those are not Catholic dogma. dogma. They're not. And fruit like, loops. And and there's always fruit loops. There's there's always a danger that the tent. There's a tension here. And like one of the things I want to say to all of us out there, there's no shortcut to Christian maturity. Like there's always a temptation that every one of us just thinks we know everything about everything. I am always in danger of that. And there's a tension of like. We actually have to be obedient first and foremost to Jesus, to his scripture, his tradition, to his church. Um, but at the same time, like you can't just say, oh, I'm, you know what? I'm a good Catholic. I just turn off my mind and I do what my bishop tells me. Totally. You can't That's do fair. that. Right. Right. You've got, you've, you are called to maturity in Christ and the mature Catholic and praise God. I've been so blessed to be around so many of them. And it's not just maturity. Like, Maturity is is only accomplished in love, and maybe that's maybe that's my last point is like, so for Gomez and for Supich, and again I I definitely side with Gomez on this. Yeah, I'm like it's the, he didn't make that hard of a statement, like, and Biden's a public figure. If 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 I have a girl in my office who had an abortion and like doesn't believe it's wrong, I'm I might not start there with her. In fact, I know I wouldn't start there with her. Um, going to get there eventually at some point. Yeah. But mostly I'm just going to say, hey, can I just give you a hug and kind of just love on you a little bit? Yeah, and totally. Whatever. Um, but Pope Benedict, final final note, I would say, he, the, the unity of the church, which is massively important, massively important. Um, the unity of the church is not just a unity where we believe the same thing. This is like a mic drop moment for me. I don't know if it will be for everybody else. But for me, this is this is the mic drop. Benedict in the same book, Pilgrim Fellowship of Faith, maybe the best book I've ever read by him, and I've read a lot of his books. Um, one of the things he says in that book is he says, the unity of the church is not simply a unity of knowledge, although that's part of it. The unity of the church is a unity of love. And And so actually we can't just fight to be right. You can't love someone without the truth, right? If you try to love without the truth, it, be, it degenerates into sentimentality. It's a Hallmark card. Yep. You have to love with the truth. They go together, but we, but we can't just be true. We can't just be right. Cause if you just write, you beat people up with a stick. Called totally. The truth. And, and I think right now in my my perception of the world is like, we got to be clear. Joe Biden is not a good Catholic. Very clearly, very obviously. 
And if someone says, hey, the lives of immigrants don't matter and the lives of the poor don't matter, that person is not a good Catholic. Um, but Joe Biden is a public figure, very about as public, probably the most public figure in the world right now. And he claims to be a Catholic and he's adamantly against basic Catholic moral principles. Not a good Catholic, not that hard to say. It's just true. It's for his good. But we have to love him. And we have to, we have to, and with our bishops, we have to love God so much that we love each other and that love can conquer kind of our misunderstandings. Which I think would be fair. If he came out and said, you guys, I've been off and I had the pool, you know, I had so much pressure on me, blah, blah, blah. I hear you. I understand it. You're right. You're right. I've, I've messed up. And I'm sorry for that. And he has to do that. Like you can't. Yeah. There is there is no love without the truth. And like, and and with that is what the love is. It's like brother, I get it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I for, totally forgive you. Like you're yep. wrapped up in it. I get it. Yep. But he needs that wake up call. Yep. That's the hard part. And that is where it's frustrating. And I will say this with the bishops, the the churches wrestle with this with the abuse crisis. Yep. Where priests have been held to a very high standard. And if you are accused of a crime as a priest, you're guilty until proven innocent. Not so for bishops. Totally. And that's what happened with McCarrick. And that's been a hot topic of conversation is that priests are guilty. The minute someone says something bishops, not so. And, and the bishops again, like the bishops have authority. They have real authority. They are the successors of the apostles. They have real authority they are not the church. Right. The church is the huge. The church is the communion of all of us in Christ. And as dare I say it, Hans Urs von, von Balthasar says, if there's one figure in the New Testament who embodies the church after Jesus, it's not Peter, it's Mary. And the, the central figure that embodies the church, it's not about authority. Authority matters and it's real. And it plays a vital role, but that's not the heart of the church. The heart of the church is Mary who says yes to God yep. with everything she has from the depths of her heart and soul. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I love it. I, I do. I just, it's, it's just so fascinating to kind of like decipher through. And I think it's, the most important part is just acknowledging that I think your point of view on if someone's in your office and you're having that one-on-one, you don't just slap them with the quote unquote truth or the harsh reality or whatever. When you just start with morality. Right. Yeah. And, and it is about the love, but from the standpoint of someone who is making headlines based on his quote unquote Catholic faith, Um, it's a different different beast and it causes confusion and damage to the church and if the church doesn't say something which we often have not we what it does is it does damage to to the church's image in the world yep and it waters down the gospel and that's never a good thing totally it's never a good thing like we the gospel can't be watered down and so we've got to We've got to do what Jesus did. We have to tell, you know, Jesus, like he talks to the woman caught in adultery and he says to her, he says, has anyone condemned you? And she says, no. And he says, neither do I go and do not sin again. Right. 
And so Jesus walks that line. It doesn't seem like it's that hard to me. I don't know why people get it's so hard for so many people. It's like, it's not that hard to say, Hey, we love you. You are loved beyond anything you could ever know. Don't do X, Y, and Z. That's right. Yep. All right. Well, there's that. Um, we have received phenomenal feedback at rant at lordsdenver.org. I have a couple emails. Yes. A couple emails. We got to get to uh, some of those questions and we will thank you for the questions, the comments, the feedback, all the above. And um, yeah, hope you guys have an amazing weekend. God bless you all. Uh, we're coming up on Lent. Start thinking about what you're going to do for Lent. Ooh. Ooh. It's a big one. That should be a topic at some Ooh. point. You're going to listen to Gregorian rant every day oh, as a penance. I'm going to go hang out with Gomez. All right, guys, have a good weekend. <laughs> <All right. laughs>